I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, sweet. (laughs) Do you want to start it or should I start it? Um... Do you want to start it? I don't care. Alright, well... I care even less. Okay, well, I'll start then. Uh, Hello, every listener that we have. You are listening to the Cult Popsha podcast. My name is AJ. My name is Richard. And this is a podcast where... um, uh, this is this is one of our off-week podcasts where we're not discussing a franchise, so we're just going to be talking about whatever we want to talk about, which we don't do enough, Richard. Yeah. You and I, specifically. Yeah, yeah, not now. We, we only ever talk about the podcast. Yeah. Um, this is also kind of a, a um, milestone episode. This is our first episode that we've ever done uh, via Skype. We're, we're in different cities right now. Yeah. Today is sort of a a special kind of um, uh, thank you to a certain someone whose name I don't think we know. Um, this is a weird way to phrase it. We did Secret Santa last year. What what that meant was that on Twitter we communicated. With, well, Richard, you you did it, so you tell you say what happened. All right. Well, so for those unfamiliar, New Zealand has a nationwide Secret Santa where you sign up via Twitter. You put your Twitter handle in. And then on matching day, you get sent a random person's Twitter handle. Jacinda Ardern, our Prime Minister, signed up. Hillary Barry, you know, one of our one of our favourites <laughs> in the nation, signed up. And um, yeah, so you you get a random person's Twitter handle, and a random person gets yours. So we got a random French artist who hasn't tweeted in two years, and the last activity on there was retweeting a business article that was in french so i don't know why the hell she signed up <laughs> but i managed to find her instagram and i sent her a, a a book to you know to do art in and uh i'm not sure she got it because if the way it's done is you send it to like a holding cell you send it to this warehouse the storehouse and then they can see if you've said something to your person and if you haven't sent anything, you don't get your present. It gets redirected to Canteen, a charity. Um, but someone someone got us and because we were good Santas, we, we received our gift. And so I, I kind of took control of it, as AJ said, and I tweeted out saying that what would be what could be fun is if someone wants to send us some obscure or interesting piece of media we will consume it and then record some kind of review or discussion on mm-hmm. it. And we got sent um, the, about the hardest piece of media you can consume. <laughs> you know, an album takes like 40 minutes, a movie, hour and a half to two hours kind of thing. Uh, even a season of a TV show, you know, you can 
blitz through in an afternoon. We got to see the book, which I mean, um, I feel like it's it's a it kind of speaks to our generation of media consumers that that the OG media, the book, the printed word, is something that took me three weeks to read. <laughs> Yeah, so to to be fair, I finished it in two days. Yeah, but you you had but, already um, read it before, and we're yeah, already when I read it before, I read it in two yeah, days. Yeah, but you you'd you'd bought in, you'd bought in already, right? I right. wasn't sure well, the about book this. Of, we are of course talking about on book club pop c- culture mm-hmm. popture book club popture. Mm-hmm. How's that, AJ? Ah, uh, yep. Um, is Ready Player One by Ernest Klein. So this book, um, if you haven't heard of it yet. Um, you probably will in the coming months because Steven Spielberg is directing a movie based on this book. Yeah. And that's coming out this year? Yeah, it comes out in March, two months later. Oh, really? That's really soon. Yeah. I watched the trailer yeah. again last night after I read the book and I was like, oh, yeah. And, and you, like, we'll get to the trailer, <laughs> but, like, they can't be adapting it well. No. <laughs> because there's, like... There's things in the trailer that, like, there's, ca- there's two characters in the trailer that spend a lot of time together that don't meet until literally the last page of the yeah. book. Yeah, I, we maybe should say there are spoilers for Ready Player One, at least the novel. We haven't seen the movie. Um, yeah. I don't know how much of our, how many of our listeners will have read Ready Player One, but, I mean, this is going to be like a walkthrough of it as, as well as a review. And yeah. prep for the Spielberg film, perhaps. Yeah, and I feel like the Spielberg film is going to take quite a different mm. approach to mm. it. You'd think so, anyway. Well, Spielberg does that. You know, most of his book yeah. adaptations are quite different. Yeah, like Jurassic Park? Yeah. The book is really good of Jurassic Park. I know, Park. you've told me. I know. I know. So, um, well, um, so, on the, on the, the front cover... Uh, yeah, and... <laughs> sorry, our rapport oh, is Oh, no. Off um, on the front cover of Ready Player One, there's a review from USA Today that says, Enchanting, Willy Wonka meets the Matrix. Would you say that's an accurate description of this book? Yeah, I think the Willy Wonka comparison is pretty obvious. Yeah. Um, do you want to say what it's about or should I say what it's about? Yeah, I can give like just a brief, the, the sort of overarching plot of it. Basically, there's this um, VR, like... It's set in the year 2044, the not too distant future, where there's this VR unit that um, you log into and it takes you to a place called the Oasis. And this is where, like, everything in the future takes place. People work there. People, you can practically live there. And the real world is is pretty in pretty dire straits. And so the guy who invented the Oasis is this guy called James Halliday, who passes away and leaves his entire fortune, which is half a trillion dollars roughly, to the person who could find his Easter egg hidden in the Oasis. Now, for those of you who don't know, an Easter egg in a piece of media is like a little subtle, I don't know, what would you say? It's a secret. It's a secret, yeah, hidden in there. So DVD menus used to have Easter eggs, like if you'd hit right at a certain point, something would light up. On um, Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed DVD menu, if you managed to hit right while a, f- like a floating animated bone like moved past the screen, it took you to like another menu where you could watch trailers or something. Mm. Yeah, shit like that. <laughs> that was my first introduction to Easter eggs, but now it's like... Uh, people call Easter eggs just any time like a TV show references another TV show or something like yeah. that. Or there's like 
yeah anything anyway um to find this easter egg hidden inside the oasis and our story follows a, a young man called wade watts who's uh what's known as a gunter which is an egg hunter uh and they call themselves that and there there's this group of people on the search for the egg now james halliday grew up in the 1980s and he had this like obsession with 80s culture and so it's believed that knowing what he knows because apparently he always wanted people to embrace 80s culture the same way he did so everyone studies 80s culture and there's this massive resurgence of 80s culture so he leaves behind things like this this riddle um which is like the first clue accompanied by this video and then there's also like this almanac which is basically everything he ever watched or enjoyed and so people study those pieces of media so they're you know watching films till they know every word because they're just waiting for one day there to be a clue but years and years and years pass and no one has even so (laughs) to get the easter egg as well you need to find three keys which will then open three gates and it's been like how many years five before five years no one has found the copper key which is the first one until 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 wade finds it um and it's sort of his adventures with his friends his other vr friends as they collect the keys find the riddles open the gates um to ultimately reach the easter egg however they are chased every step of the way by a um what i assumed was a glorified internet service provider um (laughs) called called ioi i guess innovative online industries Uh, and these are like the 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 mr anderson yeah 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 that's a good way to put it they're the mr anderson's from the matrix they um they basically want they all look identical they want to find the easter egg before any of the gunters do so that they can get half a trillion dollars and effectively um uh destroy net neutrality control (laughs) yeah yeah and basically have control over the oasis and charge people to use it because the thing about the oasis as well is that it's a one-time sign-up fee of 25 cents so it's like an old school video game you pay a quarter and get Mm you know a life a, a second lifetime inside this oasis yeah. and and the title comes from when you put the goggles on to enter the vr it says ready player yeah. one when the, our secret santa sent us this he also sent us a wee a wee letter if you're listening to this episode i hope you are um thank you thank you very much for that letter that was that was very meaningful and in it he wrote that um he felt after learning who we are and learning about our podcast that ready player one was the perfect gift to give us and that's really thoughtful and i probably agree i think it is it is like a of course you know we're cop popture of course we yeah. got the the pop culture video game version of who framed roger rabbit like that's another thing we haven't really mm. mentioned is that this this book and the story um you can create worlds in the oasis so people make star wars worlds they make firefly worlds so all of these different pop culture um characters uh, from from obviously 80s pop culture primarily since Halliday loved the 80s is like shoveled into the oasis so you can meet I don't know you, they who's a character Mecha Godzilla's in this book like yeah 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 um, and yeah like he drives a DeLorean yeah yeah my favorite was um, the inclusion of um, Max Headroom who is the the 
eighties. I knew him as a Coke mascot, but apparently he had a TV show before Coke. Yeah. Um, and he's he's a, he's a, he has a semi prominent role in this book, which I thought was pretty cool. When's when's Max Hederman? He is Wade's um, artificial intelligence. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's like his um, Jarvis. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, cool. So. I guess that's all we need to say in regards to the story. I'm sure we'll be talking about what happens at different points. Um, yeah, and possibly getting mildly into st- spoiler territory. Yeah, yeah. So, but I would say as well, this isn't a book. Mm, I'll probably we'll probably be talking about spoilers that would make it pointless reading it. But in terms of like the basic plot structure, it's nothing special. So it's like it's good. It's it's a, it's a cool book, but like the story itself isn't yeah. the best thing about yeah, it. Yeah, the 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 experience. Like <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's talk about like what it's like to read. Basically, so when I I read it, mm-hmm. maybe like three four years ago, um, it came in a loot crate and I, and I got given it because someone didn't want to read it. Um, and then I don't know what like the amount of times I've been given a book or like had a book and just been like yeah whatever and held on to it never read it or read like two pages but for some reason i just couldn't put this book down i read it in two days and then it's (laughs) it's the last book i read and then it happened to be the next book i read but um yeah it's this really kind of there's a lot of backlash against it now like when it first came out a lot of people were like oh my god this thing is awesome and but now people are like it's actually horribly written it's like a wikipedia article of 80s culture like it's it's literally yeah. just lists of things and every problem that the character encounters like he's like oh i i now had to play battle toads and he's like fortunately i am an expert at battle toads so this was fine yeah yeah yeah, the whole thing kind of reads like you're um, you're talking about a mutual interest with like a total like someone who's really into that mutual mm. interest. So like say say you're talking to someone about um, Indiana Jones, and you have a you have a, you know you you like Indiana Jones as much as the next guy, but the guy you're talking to has watched like Young Indiana Jones the TV series. He's played all the video games, and so you start going, oh yeah, did you know that? Um, in the background of uh, of Raiders of the Lost Ark, you actually see, um, and then the interruption goes, C-3PO and R2-D2 on the wall? Yeah, I knew that. <laughs> that's that's what this book reads like. It's like someone wanting to tell you everything they know. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very, like, because you, it took you a while to get into the book, I think, yeah? I will say right now that after about the halfway mark, it gets considerably better, yeah. I thought. The first half I thought was a lot harder to read and it's it's just not fun. It's like, okay, yep, tell me about this. <laughs> tell tell me I just want to move on, man. Yeah. Like I don't know. It's yeah. Yeah, like this the story, like after I think the the they get the jade key, it kind of it becomes a little mm-hmm. unexpected with how the story progresses. Um mm-hmm. I'd say even even before that, I would say um and this is i guess we're just going to talk spoilers i don't know yeah. how else to discuss this movie this um so basically after wade wade is the first person to get the copper key and open the the first gate um and he, he his his avatar whose name is parzival shoots to the top of the scoreboard everyone wants yeah, so to this find national, out who parzival this is international scoreboard that just has it was blank for five years and then at the top it says parzival hundred thousand points yep 
And um, so the IOI, the bad guys, they they score a meeting with them where they basically say, hey, tell us where all the stuff is and we'll give you XXX money. And he says no. And so they blow up his real life trailer park. Mm. Um, because of what you got, what up until halfway, because that happens about mm. halfway. And up until then, I was like, this is so strange because there's not really any stakes in this book. Mm. Because, because like, n- no, it's we don't not actually life- care about net neutrality in New Zealand. <laughs> there, there's no... Um, the, at the moment, the worst that can... At the start of the book, the worst thing that can happen to Wade is his avatar gets killed and he loses, like, the three levels he'd managed to gain as a character. Um, yeah. He doesn't die. He just doesn't win the money. And when the the stakes are highest at he doesn't win the money, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, oh, well. You know, I I probably yeah. wouldn't win that money, but then halfway through the book, after yeah, after he's his no to the IOI, they blow up his trailer park and kill like you know five hundred people in, in this trailer park, and from then on, it's like okay, cool. There are real world stakes. There are real things that can happen, and the IOI are legitimately like corrupt, dangerous people, and from then on, I found the most. Um, the best parts of the book are the parts that are set in the real world, the parts that aren't in the Oasis, I thought. Right. Like, because, for instance, when he starts working for IOI, spoilers again. Yeah. Yeah. He starts working for IOI because they basically put a stronghold when they find, they all find the last key, but the IOI put a stronghold around the castle where the last gate and the Easter egg is, is located. So to try and infiltrate them, Wade gets recruited by the ioi and like hacks into their system and all of that was really fascinating like to Mm. to learn about this the 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 dystopian world was more interesting to me than running around inside the oasis because like i found um so whenever they get a key whenever an avatar gets one of the keys and they open a gate there's a game they have to play to get the next riddle basically um yeah to, to find the next key and in my opinion those were the worst parts of the book those games they had to play because i feel i feel like he um what's his name ernest klein the author i feel like he he's got a good idea here like yeah it's simple but it, it, would, it would work but then he gets to these point points where he actually has to be creative and come up with an earnest like <laughs> earnest, <laughs> um, uh, challenge for the character and all he can think of is pretty rudimentary stuff so, like, the first challenge is he has to, um, he's teleported into the Matthew Broderick film War Games, and he has to play as a character and recite lines, line for line, without, luckily he's an expert in War Games, so yeah. he, he breezes through it. Yeah. But to me, that's kind of like, yeah, I don't know if that's that interesting of a thing to, to read. And then in another one of the challenges is he just has to play some arcade game and beat it and like but thankfully he's an expert at it yeah thankfully he's an expert at it and i that's that's one of the biggest things i think spielberg's going to have to change in the movie is that he's going to have to make the challenges considerably more filmic and interesting to watch yeah well that's the thing is the the child trailer basically is is based around this giant race with all these 80s Mm. vehicles that's not in the book at all yeah yeah so presumably that's that's one of the challenges Mm. i would have thought but then yeah why are all the characters racing each other because the whole point of the gates is they're like individual challenges yeah yeah (laughs) 
Um, another part I really liked in the book was there's there's a moment. It's after basically him and uh, Wade or Parzival and another avatar named Artemis um, become like romantically involved. She's second on the scoreboard under him, and she's and like she's come- a bit of a minor celebrity in the Oasis, and he's been obsessed with her for years. Yeah, 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 and um, and then. She, he kind of tells her that he's in love with her and she's like no you can't love me I'm a I'm, you know we don't even know what each other look like and so and she doesn't want to like like um uh give up finding the egg before him so she doesn't like want to be too involved so she essentially breaks up with him and then the next chapter is him moving does he move I can't remember when that happens actually but basically it goes into just him and his in his life at home in his apartment where he never leaves yeah and I, I really enjoyed that chapter like he talks about how in order to become um as maneuverable as possible in his haptic suit that you put on when you enter the oasis he's now got no no hair on his body mm. and things like that and I was like I like this I like this kind of dystopian look that it's creating for the people who want to do this you know yeah. like he, he devotes his life to the Oasis to the point where he's got no eyebrows, you know? <laughs> yeah, so that's one of the things that I'm like, there's no way they're putting this in the movie. Of course not. He starts off, like, overweight and, you know, and then he, he loses weight and gets all hairless. And I'm like, there's no way they're putting that in. Not even, like, they wouldn't even dare to have big an overweight doughy person baby. As, like, <laughs> as their lead for the first half of the movie. Yeah. Cause, yeah, because he gets in shape. But yeah, yeah. Don't worry, he um, doesn't stay a you know yeah, yeah. A, a hideous kind of insult to society throughout the whole movie. I mean, I've I've seen the 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 guy who's playing Wade in the film, and he's not the most handsome dude in the world. Yeah. Like he's Hollywood ugly, you know. Yeah, right. So at least they they're, they're going a little bit true to form. Yeah. Um. All right. What else should we talk about? Like, what what else did you enjoy? What was your favorite reference in the film, in the book? Um, or probably none of them. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe it's because I could see myself writing this book, like, verbatim. Right, And so there's there's a bit of, like, I can see myself in it and that part of myself that I hate. And so I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is so... This is so cheesy to read, like, him coughing out these references one by one. Yeah, like, there's there's a lot of stuff, like... um and also, it's it's not like a fun detective book where you can work out the stuff mm. yourself. Like, he says, like, the first um, key is, like, Tomb of Horrors is where this will wait or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, oh, of course, it's this obscure Dungeons and Dragons module from 1984. Yeah. The Tomb of Horrors. It's going to look identical to that. What I will say, though, is while I, as myself in 2018, couldn't work out any of the riddles... It is. It, it felt. I was baffled that it took them as long as it took them to work out the riddles, considering like what they'd studied in the world they'd grown up in. Like so. So each of the riddles refers to something or one or two things that's from a a property and IP. And generally, you have to either go to that world or find something that looks. So the first, the first place is in a tomb of horrors, and that's as you said, a Dungeons and Dragons place. That that's probably as obscure as it gets. Like one of the answers is a the, is, the continue your te- quest by taking the test. Oh, true. Yeah, from from because I feel like that's one that I could have worked. Yeah, out. that one that's from Blade Runner, right? There's a reference. The, yeah. yeah, it's a Blade Runner reference. The one that that got me was um was um the the something about you can only continue when all the trophies are collected, and it's referring to the game Zork 
which is a text-based RPG. It's it's very famous. Like maybe not mm. you and me. You and me haven't played it. I haven't played it. I don't know about you, but in a world where learning '80s properties is paramount, it is baffling to me that it would take anyone that long to work out the game is referring to the trophy room at. The- I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Start of Zork, you know, like it's yeah, so easy. <laughs> the, the, to me, the, like, because the continual quest by taking the test and it's the Voigt-Kampf test from Blade Runner yeah. is like, that's the one that they get stuck on for like six months. Yeah. And and because they're given a piece of like one sided foil origami paper mm-hmm. and it's like Ugh It was on the tip of my tongue reading it <laughs> and, and you you studied eighties culture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I think because another part of the, and going back to the Zork one, there's two parts to the, the other one is that he has to, it mentions the captain blowing the whistle. I can't remember it verbatim, but basically what that refers to is a toy whistle inside a Captain Crunch cereal box, which I thought was cool. And I probably wouldn't have worked out, but he works it out before. That's the first part he works out. He doesn't work out the Zork part till later. He's actually told, he's like his friend lets him know about the Zork stuff. Um, Mm. But if I worked out the Zork stuff first and then went to the Zork planet and then went to the kitchen and found a box of Captain Crunch in the cabinet, I'd probably work it out then. So it's like, yeah, it's yeah. like even if I didn't work out the harder part, I would have when I got there just by looking around. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's been criticised for not being a very well-written book. <laughs> like, but I, I think it's like it's this fun adventure that like, appeals to people like you and i Mm. and i'm excited to see what spielberg can do with it Mm. because he is going to have to change it a lot and judging by the trailer he has changed it a lot there's a lot more taking place in the real world by the looks of it yeah and there's like talk there's a part in the trailer where they're like welcome to the rebellion and it's like when (laughs) when is this happening because there is kind of a rebellion i guess in the book but wade starts it no one's the whole point is that they all work individually yeah yeah no one's welcoming wade to their rebellion he's welcoming other people to the rebellion Mm. um so i I mean they might not be saying it to wade yeah that's true um my i've got one thing i hope spielberg changes in the in the movie And this wasn't necessarily bad in the book, but I don't think it would work in the movie. So right at the end, of, it's basically the climax. Um, all the all the top gunters, so there's four top gunters, including Wade and Artemis, and they um, get into these big robot suits and they fight the main bad guy who's the head of the IOI or one of the heads. And he's in a Mechagodzilla suit. Nolan Sorrento. Yeah, and he's in a Mechagodzilla suit. To be played by Ben Mendelsohn. Yep. He's in a Mechagodzilla suit. And it's this epic fight where just, it's like, it's exactly what this book was written for. 
like all your favorite pop culture robots i mean i only knew who one of them was but you know assumingly someone's favorite pop culture robots fighting together in this one epic brawl like that'll that'll be spectacular in the movies you know yeah and the movie looks like it's going to have the iron giant yeah 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 um but then they he basically defeats nolan sorrento and then he goes into the gate and they chase him because the ioi can basically put put anyone into any avatar so nolan sorrento's back on his tail and he chases him through the last gate where he has to complete all these different games but he never catches up to him like not in any way that's nail-biting like as soon as as soon as wade defeats him it's basically like his own personal skill to get him to the end and um well because this because they're like time dependent so it's like one of them is again like the war games thing but you're in monty python's holy grail in the holy grail and so it's like if you start half an hour later you can't catch up yeah yeah exactly and so there wasn't too many stakes in the last chapter of the book basically after the giant robot fight it's just like a a quick quick hop skip and a jump to the end and it was Mm. just kind of like ah I would have preferred had he got right to the end and then Sorrento shows up again like something just just to just to create a bit more tension there so i'm hoping um in the movie they kind of merge those two things together so that the robot fight takes place at the climax instead of before well, it is the climax but then there's like this huge run on i don't know i don't know mm. what i would do i'd need to think about it if, if i was I writing yeah it, like i mean you could just remove even if nolan's like not chasing after him through the last gate mm. so it's like you have this epic climax and then he's just like in the last gate at his own pace and mm. can yeah yeah if anything of- it felt contrived to put the ioi chasing him because it's like look there are 30 pages left of this book i know he's not gonna get caught yeah <laughs> let's talk about casting for the film okay what do you think of the casting i don't actually know the casting so i know um, ben without looking at without looking it up so you've got um uh mark rylance is playing james halliday oh yep um there was it was interesting because I remember like because I just read the book when this um, film was announced because um, I remember back when it was like when I first heard of the book it was like um, Christopher Nolan Edgar Wright and Peter Jackson on the director's shortlist for Ready Player One <laughs> and I was like yeah no, this this book could be interesting if those three are looking at it and then so I read it and then Spielberg got and then like a week later Spielberg got attached to it <laughs> um, but. I remember um, it was like Spielberg confirmed that he had lunch with Gene Wilder. Right. Um, before he died, like, like you know, like a year or so before he died. And it was like pretty obvious that he was trying to get him to come out of retirement to play James Halliday. Right. That'd be awesome because it's not a very physically demanding role. It just requires like a real old guy and then like lots of photos and footage of a younger version of them. Mm-hmm. And so, like, to have Willy Wonka play this, like, Willy Wonka-type character... Yeah, yeah. ...as, like, his final role in a Spielberg film, I reckon would have been awesome. Yeah. That's true. Um, But it's funny, when I was reading the book, there's um, kind of, like, Halliday's Wozniak is a guy called Ogden Morrow. Mm -hmm. And as I was (laughs) reading the book, I was picturing Nick Frost. And I was like, oh, Nick Frost would be, like, great at this. Like, the way he's described his sort of energy. So, Nick Frost would be great as this character and then they cast the movie and they cast simon pig did they really yeah i didn't know that 
That's so he's funny. playing Ogden Morrow. <laughs> but it's somewhere was like in my head I was like, Nick Frost, of course. And then I was like, Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg's so young though. Yeah. I'm gonna have to age him up. Um But I guess like <clears throat> because I don't know how they're doing the like playing avatars and playing the real world and stuff like that. Yeah, I think they look quite different in the Avatar versions. Like Yeah. And that's when the majority of the film takes place. So it's interesting that the trailer is so live actor kinda heavy. Because I don't yeah. know if they're going to be in it that much. Yeah, it's really interesting to see what direction they're going to go with. Um, and I think the dying girl from me and Earl and the dying girls playing yeah, Artemis. Yeah, Cook, she's playing Artemis. Yep. Um, and um, there's uh, someone from Master of None is playing H. Okay. Oh uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> they're, they're like a they're like a, a transgendered actress, oh, actor, okay. actress, um, and. Yeah, which is interesting because H's identity is kind of kept under wraps. It's probably the best the, the best twist of the book was <laughs> yeah. when it reveals H, who's who's um, Wade's best friend in Oasis. He meets him in real life, and he's actually like a a fat black and chick, I, as she as she puts it. Yeah, and and not a dude. Yeah, which is quite funny because it is like. You know, better don't trust what you hear online. Yeah, yeah, I'm glad they did that with one of the characters and not the romantic lead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because they, they, they talk about the the romantic lead. Artemis keeps talking about how she's like, oh, no, I don't want you to see me in real life because I don't look anything like this. I'm hideous. Um, and because he's, like, attracted to her because her avatar looks, like, normal-ish. Mm-hmm. Like he's like it just looks like girl next door kind of pretty in a world where you know most people are walking around with like porn star kind of bodies mm-hmm. this girl just looks like normally he's like I feel like this is what she actually looks like and then turns out oh she has a big birthmark on her face and that's why she's so hideous mm-hmm. but then like judging by the trailers the parts taking place in the real world she doesn't have a birthmark on her face because <laughs> that wouldn't be very Hollywood cinematic I mean because they can't it would be if they didn't have to um this is this is me speaking as a Hollywood exec, not as what I think should happen with representation yeah. in films. But um, technically, you only really see her with the birthmark towards the end of the movie of the story. Like yeah. if they keep true to the book and she's only in the the oasis until they meet at the end, then her having a birthmark wouldn't be too aesthetically distracting, I guess. Yeah, but then uh, yeah, I am actually really interested by the movie because. Uh, yeah, yeah, I am too. I I would say it's it's in, on my list of most anticipated, which we'll talk about Ooh, perhaps next, next week. week yeah, um, <laughs> but that that's probably only because I've read the book. Like, yeah, this 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 story is one that is like like people who aren't into movies and pop culture as much as you or me probably wouldn't get into it but then people who are into movies and pop culture as much as you and me kind of begrudgingly read it and are like yeah yeah <laughs> it's like because i spoke to you this before we even got it as our secret santa gift i was like trying to get you to read it mm-hmm. um because i was like it's this weird thing because i've read it before a lot of the backlash on it when it, the movie got announced everyone's like oh the book's terrible don't read it but um like before that 
there wasn't that cynicism. It was just, like, oh, what a fun romp. Yeah, yeah. And so I think, whereas you read it on the tail end of the like cynicism of being like, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, we, yeah, like we need another nostalgia-driven book now. Mm-hmm. And so it's interesting because reading it again, I can I can appreciate that it's like badly written and stuff like that. But I, I still love every second of it. It reminded me a bit of um, what we talked about when we did the Twilight movies for our podcast mm. because it kind of feels like the the keys of this really cool story was handed to to the wrong storyteller. Right, yeah. Because there's nothing... Which is because, but yeah, you'd hope that Spielberg's the right storyteller. Yeah, you would. But, yeah, Ernest Klein, I think, just isn't that good of a, of a writer, of a storyteller. But he had a good story in his hands, and so he translated that as best he could. But, I don't know, as we've talked about, it comes off almost arrogant... Um, that kind of thing. Yeah, like apparently his second book, Armada, is just borderline unreadable. Wow. But he he is announced he has announced in the last month that he's writing a sequel to Ready Player One. Hmm. Um which is interesting because like where would the story go? See that's I mean, without completely spoiling the end, we can't really say much, but so I mean, maybe we could just completely spoil the end. I, I don't know. I feel like we already basically have, but I'll I won't I won't aim to do that i'll just talk and if it happens it happens um uh, i did feel like it ended like almost a chapter too short like well not a chapter but maybe a couple paragraphs like it ends at the end of the adventure but all this other stuff with all this implication has just happened and it would have been nice to be like do a you know what happened to each character you know where are they now kind of thing i'm surprised it didn't do that because it feels like the type of book that would indulge itself in a what what where are they now kind of thing (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it's a Yeah, it's definitely a weird book. <laughs> Shall we I don't know. Maybe I can find an example from the book to to read. There's a there's a page early on where he first starts um explaining like how good he is at pop culture knowledge. Yeah. And it just lists everything. Yeah. And explains how good he is. No, yeah, basically he's talking about the I think he's talking about the almanac, and yeah, and he basically talks about like how he's studied this and studied this and watched all of this and read all of this and like that's and a, what about this? That's you a, bet I know it. That's another thing about this book is that this character is what he's eighteen, but like he, not even there. I think, yeah. He he knows so much, <laughs> and I actually want to. I'd actually call it impossible the amount of stuff he's watched like he's watched the amount of media he's consumed yeah, and he's years. watched full tv shows full like you know and all the like things that would take years to consume within kind of like the five years that the competition's been going and then halfway through the book he reveals that he also knows guitar <laughs> it's like, when did you learn guitar like <laughs> it's so strange well, he doesn't he doesn't know much guitar but yeah mm. So that, that was one of the, the the references I liked was the the twenty one twelve by Rush because I actually like real like that song, mm-hmm. and so I was like, yeah, I know what he's doing, I know where he is. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There is that sense of accomplishment when you when you get a reference in this book, eh? Yeah, yeah, I guess so. But there's a lot I don't get, which so I wasn't, I didn't feel that accomplished. <laughs> um, yeah, it'll be interesting if in the movie Spielberg does War Games or Holy Grail, you know, like all these. Things yeah, that I feel are like explicitly those gates mentioned. aren't 
very like cinematic so yeah it's gonna be real weird he he did say initially that he was gonna cut out any references to his own films to not be too masturbatory mm-hmm. that's including ones that he executive produced so no delorean but as we've seen in the trailer there is a delorean mm-hmm. so obviously he's changed mind but it's quite good that spielberg's the one doing this because like he was the man behind who framed roger rabbit yeah. which you know got all the the studios to hold hands and play nice and I think if he can do something like that, because otherwise you're just going to get all these Warner Brothers properties. Yeah, yeah. But if he can get, you know, people to play nice, that's going to be make for quite an interesting movie. I agree. Um, yeah. Uh, the, it is, it's, it, I thought it was interesting that Spielberg's now um, making this movie and the book explicitly, like, <laughs> shits on him at one point <laughs> because oh, yeah. it talks about the Indiana Jones movies and then in parentheses it's like, ignoring the the kingdom of the crystal skull and it's like well that's kind of I've be, i bet that's kind of a sore spot for old old spielberg and you're just like drawing all this attention to it like yeah it's weird to adapt something that's explicitly references you <laughs> and let alone insulting yeah and it's funny because this book was also written in 2011 so it was a year before the star wars disney acquisition um which yeah. this book should be riddled with like in real life should be riddled with references to but is suspiciously absent because and that's like another kind of glitch with the book is it's set in the future but all the references are of now i guess it's it sticks to the 80s but not strictly like there are other uh, there's references to like the star wars prequels and stuff in it so yeah yeah no that's a good point actually i don't know if that kind of sh- well i mean obviously it won't show up in the movies because it's well there are time. characters from overwatch in the movie and overwatch yeah, came out like two years like, ago yeah yeah it's real weird eh? well because it's crazy um steven spielberg just well, today, mm-hmm. he's had a film just released today called The Post mm-hmm. uh, with Tom Hanks and uh, Meryl Streep, which is an Oscar favorite. But um, he made that during pro- pre- uh, post-production of Ready Player One. Like, he went and made Ready Player One and was like, oh, fuck, I've got a bit of time before this comes out. I'll just make another one. <laughs> and then and now they come out, like, you know, a couple months apart. And, yeah, because he did that with Schindler's List and Jurassic Park, didn't he? Yeah, they were, they came out like around the same time. Yeah, yeah. So so he's he's known for making multiple movies a year that are made for very different audiences. Yeah, but this is cool. What was the last Spielberg movie that you could say was like Ready Player One though? Lincoln. <laughs> yeah, Lincoln, the fun <laughs> the fun futuristic romp that was Lincoln. No, I don't know. I feel like oh, the BFG maybe. Yeah, but wasn't that real like bad FG? Yeah, it was bad FG. Yeah, I, I, I'm so interested to see how the movie turns out because I actually I'm invested now because I actually really like the book. Yeah, yeah. This yeah, like as you've said to me before, this book's pretty pretty easy to read. Like I I read in the last um, uh, 24 hours, maybe 36 hours, I read half the book. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I just race through it. Um, it's it's the easiest book I've read since probably Holes, which is probably my my favorite yeah. book. Um, and I think that's that's a testament to its uh, relatively short chapters. So there are frequent senses of achievement because you finish a chapter. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't know. As, as sort of closing up, I guess I'd say um, read it. And if you don't like it, try get to the halfway mark and see if you can read it there. Yeah, at least check out the movie because I feel like the movie is going to be very different. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um- I reckon, it, like, I saw, I was reading about, 
the movie that like it could be quite cool if if the movie is because the book completely glorifies this culture mm-hmm. but it'd be interesting if the like spielberg changes it so that the the movie has the like message you're too obsessed with pop culture mm. this is bad well because the book kind of does touch on that but not not, not really. to a, it, it, yeah he doesn't he doesn't give it up at the end but it, well, it does go into the fact that there's a there's a um well we don't see him give it up i should say he doesn't like he doesn't learn a lesson that he shouldn't stay inside the oasis he just kind of learns to appreciate the real world more yeah whereas like if if it does the whole thing of like like reversing the fight club adaptation kind of thing because the fight club book is about how it's bad to start a terrorist organization <laughs> yeah and the movie is like well no the movie is still anti-terrorist organizations it's just more that's like it's rick and morty syndrome like the fans of fight club like thought tyler durden was a real cool character but tyler durden's supposed to be seen as like the antagonist of fight club yeah i i I maintain the book of fight clubs better it's pretty good even the author doesn't agree with me (laughs) um all right well yeah do you have anything more to say about ready player one or should we Give it no. a whole rapper, rapper, rapper. Yeah, sh- should we give it like some kind of score? Okay, I give it twelve clines. <laughs> I give it three hundred pages out of three hundred sixty-five. Wow, are there three hundred sixty-five pages? Something like that. Three hundred seventy-four. Three seventy-four. Wait, no, that's, that's including acknowledgements. 372, oh. not including acknowledgements. All right, so I give it 300 pages out of 372. At the back of the book, there's an ad for Armada, Ernest Klein's second book. This is what it says. It's just another day of high school for Zach Lightman. He's daydreaming through another boring math class with just one more month to go until graduation and freedom. Then he glances out his classroom window and spots a flying saucer. <laughs> so unimaginative, like the way that's written. <laughs> So I probably we probably won't do a review on Armada. However, um, thank you to our Secret Unless Santa. Unless we get sent it for um, Secret Santa next year. Yeah, yeah. Um, this year. Thank you, thank you to the guy who sent it to us, or the, or the lady. We don't know. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, feel free. I mean, people listening, if you send us shit, we'll probably review it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why not? Fuck yeah, yeah. Send us. We need to get a PO box or something. Well, let's wait and see if people want to send it to us first before we <laughs> commit. We just open a PO box and then get no mail. Yeah. Um, but yeah, well, I mean, we could we could be quite good just to get our mail sent there anyway. That's true. Um, this is this is our, obviously our first episode of our podcast for 2018. Film franchise fortnights will be back, um, and hopefully, we'll be able to do these kind of off week discussions intermittently. Um, for the whole year this time instead of just half the year but who knows who cares maybe not who knows a lot of stuff's probably going to change this year in terms of um, who's going to frequently be on this podcast we're going to bring some new stuff new people in um, and yeah as well as some old favourites and all, uh, some old classics so um, stay with us please and keep keep sharing the, these podcasts to your friends um, if you're listening to this on SoundCloud or iTunes, um, we also have a YouTube channel where we do videos and we upload the episodes of Film Franchise Fortnite's there. Uh, we also have a Facebook page where I, th- I feel like Facebook page is the best way to kind of like 
um, interp- like like receive Colt Popcher as the the kind of voice of of the media that we we kind of want to be. Like we share stuff on there and have cool discussions and the comments. Uh, we mad do, scushies. We do mad scushies. Occasionally we do the, the odd live stream, that kind of thing. Um, and what else do we do? We also have a Twitter. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. We're all over the place. You, yep. Yep. So, thank and you. Have a, and have a happy new year. Happy new year. All right. Wait, this isn't our first episode of 2018. This is our second episode. I know. But the first, this is the first episode we've recorded. You can still have a happy new year. That's true. Yeah, if you if you've discovered this podcast because of the David Mickey Evans episode, um, they're all as good as that. <laughs> they're not. Yeah, <laughs> this is this is a real low point for us. <laughs> all right, thank you for listening, everybody. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Bye.